If you got your Bible this morning, we're starting a brand new series this morning uh, called Vessel of Honor. Vessel. Yeah, you want to grab my bag? That'd be great. Vessel of Honor. And I want to start just by looking at this uh, first passage of Scripture that, that we're drawing the name of this from. Thanks. And uh, it's in, it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 20. If you've got a worship guide, you should have it uh, in, in, in your worship guide, the first scripture in there that we'll look at. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 20. They'll put it up on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bible, you don't have a worship guide. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, but in a great house... There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also vessels of wood and clay, and some are for honor, and some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone will cleanse himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, and he will be sanctified, he'll be useful for the master, and he'll be prepared for every good work. Let's pray together. Uh, before we get into the word this morning. Thank you, God, that I pray uh, for the entrance of your word to give light and understanding today. I pray that, that each person here, myself included, that, that, that will uh, know you better than we've ever known you before, that you'll give us a revelation knowledge of who you are and what we have and what we can do. I pray for open heavens this morning, open hearts, open minds to you. And you said that whenever we would open the soil of our heart, that you would plant your word there and that it would be fruitful and that it would bring change and I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our life, our midst this morning. We expect greatness to come out of this series. We expect greatness to come out of this Sunday morning. I thank you, Lord, that just a few minutes in your presence can totally change the trajectory of our life. Thank you, Lord, for your doing it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. He says, in a great house, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also these different vessels of clay and wood. And he said, some of these vessels are for honor and some vessels are for dishonor. But if you'll, if you'll allow uh, yourself to be uh, changed by the master, he says, the master wants to make you a vessel of what? Honor. He says, God wants to make you, he wants to form you or fashion you and make you a vessel of honor. So, so what's that mean? Well, that just means in every house, there's a lot of different containers. And people are containers. Your life is a container. And everywhere you go, you either carry, you carry honor or you carry dishonor. You carry faith, hope, love. Uh, you, you, you've got that attitude that's in you, that's in Christ Jesus. Or you have this, what, what a lot of people, life has beat you up or beat you down. Or you're discouraged or you're depressed or, or you know, we can't, da, 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 da. But, but God says, he says, listen, if you'll, if you'll make some adjustments, God wants to use you to be what he calls a vessel of honor. Check. How many of y'all have dishes in your house that, uh, that you're not allowed to use? Don, you got some? Yeah. That's because you're married, Don. I have, we have in my house uh, a, a whole a credenza. I mean, I know what a credenza is. I really, I hear that's what it's called. Uh, yeah, fancy bookshelf. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Or, or we have a hutch, and it's full of dishes that I'm not allowed to touch. I mean, I mean, I'll have any of those. I mean, I had a grandma that had a couch you couldn't sit on her. My grandma had a whole room you couldn't even go in. 
You just stand at the door and just look. You're just like, you can't go in there. You can't go in there. Once a year, right, you, you got to go in there. And, and every person in here, I'm sure, unless you're a bachelor, right, if you're single or something like that, then you just have a pot, right? I mean, I remember those days. I got my ramen noodle pot, and I've got my ramen noodle Tupperware, and a Dixie cup. That's pretty much. That's pretty much it on some milk crates and a foam mattress. Yes, but the but if 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 you if, if you're married, then you 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 went through the process of what's called a registry. And a registry is where uh, when you're engaged, uh, you go with your fiance to a store, and they give you a wand, or they give you a gun. And you get to walk around and shoot the things that you want, and you don't have to pay for them. That's the funnest part, almost the funnest part of getting married, right? Even for the boys, right? For me, I didn't really care anything about the ceremony, right? They only, listen, I'll plan the honeymoon, you plan the ceremony. But I was excited about that gun because you get to go to a Target, or in our case, uh, it was Dillard's. Dillard's is still kind of cool, but you know. 15 years ago, it was the place. It was like, we're registered at Dillard's. So you bring that wand. How many of y'all remember that? And, and, but how many of y'all know that you don't get to touch the wand if you're the boy? If you're the boy, you don't get to use the wand. And you go into it thinking, I'm going to get to use the wand. But you don't. And I remember very vividly us being in Dillard's, and we had a straight-up fight. How many of y'all had a fight? Just a straight-up fight fight like because I wanted cool dishes right I mean I wanted I wanted I wanted cool dishes she wanted pretty dishes right and man we just had a straight up fight and finally uh, I, I actually I took it uh, to the pastor and uh, that's no joke true story I took it I took it to the pastor and I said uh, I said listen man we're getting married and she's picking out the comforters and she's picking out uh, the sheets She's picking out wall color I don't like, and she's picking out all of these frilly little dishes, and, and I don't like it. And he explained to me, he says, well, a woman is like a hen, and she's building a nest, and he says, you just stay out of her way. <laughs> that was the counsel I got. He says, you let her make that nest however she wants that nest. And you just smile. And that made me so mad. I just like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. That room color is hideous. Those pillows are ridiculous. It's so stupid. It makes me so mad. And, and to this day, we, have, we still have those glasses that she's at. And I don't think my lips have graced. Those glasses, they're up in the top of our cabinet in this lit part of the cabinet. You have to get a ladder to get them. They're way up there, and we have a whole hutch of these things. And the reason that we don't use them is because all ladies know those are for a... And not one man said anything, right? All the ladies said, a special occasion. But all the guys are just like, I have no idea. I would wish I totally have them. Listen, so every house is like that. And he said, in the master's house, in the master's house, he says there's all different types of vessels. In the master's family, every person in here, you're, you're a vessel. Every person in here, you're a container. 
And God here, he says, he says, if you'll let him, he wants you to, to, to make some adjustments and he'll make you what he calls a vessel of honor. So before we get into making or, or what it is to be a vessel of honor, I, I always like to go to Genesis. Genesis is one of my favorite books in the Bible. So open up your Bible, Genesis, if you got it. If not, they'll put it up on the screen behind you. And we're, we're, we're just going to look at Genesis in the beginning. The, the word Genesis just means the beginning or, or it's, it's God's original design. And the reason I like Genesis is because it shows God's original design for humanity. It shows what he really wanted and what he really intended. Uh, God intended a, a man to be a certain way, his relationship with man to be a certain way, and for man to carry himself a certain way. And the reason we know that is because you got to go to the beginning. So if you look in just the first chapter of Genesis, of course, it's creation. It's the story of creation, that God stepped out into nothing. The Bible says that the earth was void and without form, and gross darkness was on the face of the deep. I mean, I remember that scripture, Genesis 1-1, that the earth was void and without form, gross darkness was everywhere and the the holy spirit began to hover over that darkness and then all of a sudden after the holy spirit he's got the atmosphere just right then the other person of the trinity god steps out and he says light be and it was and it was what good it was good, and he says, then I called, the, I called the, the light day, and I called the, 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 the dark night, and I gave the sun and the moon, and they separated the two. And then he says, ocean, be, and he says, I divided the ocean from the land, and I called the land this, and I called the ocean that. And then he starts to call out the creation, and he goes through six days of creating everything. And he says, everything that you can see was created by something that you can't see, and it was all created with faith-filled words. Right? That's what he, did. he didn't step out there and say, man, it's dark out here. This is chaotic. No, he stepped out and he, he called those things that be not as though they were. And he says, I'm by faith, light, beam, light came out of darkness. I like that. That's my king. And but then on the sixth day, then we get to him beginning to, the Bible says he began to form or fashion us. In other words, the Bible says that he took clay. So I've got some clay here, and we're going to be using this medium for the whole uh, uh, series here. And, and, and we're going to look at, because in Jeremiah, the Lord told Jeremiah, he says, I want you to get up and go to the potter's house. And when you're there, I want to show you some things. And Jeremiah said, he said, I went to the potter's house, and behold, there was a potter sitting on a wheel, and he's forming and working this clay. And then God begins to talk to Jeremiah and say, I, I, I want to talk to you about me as the potter and you as the clay. And we'll get into that over the next couple of weeks. But, but right here in Genesis, after all of creation has been created, now he says, I need to make me a one that can take care of or can govern all of creation. So the Bible says in Genesis chapter, chapter 2 that he took, uh, he took dirt or he took clay uh, out of the earth and he began to form and fashion man. It's kind of weird, just really strange to me. And if you'll just allow your imagination to go, it, this is a, a, a peculiar event that's happening because after he's created everything, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, you can put it up there. He says, let us make man in our image or in our likeness. And he says, and we're going to let him have dominion over the fish of the sea or the beast of the field, the fowl of the air. And, he, and then he says, in every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So, so after all of creation is gone, now he takes this dirt or he takes this clay and he begins to mold it and he begins to fashion it. And, and, and what's interesting to me is, is why didn't God just say, man, be? He created everything else by saying, light be, oceans be, stars be. But whenever it came to man, he didn't do that. But when it came to man, he got real personal with you and I. He, he wanted a vessel of honor. So in order to, to do that, the Bible says he took this median and he begins to form or, or fashion or make this man. And he says, let us. Everybody say us. Us just means that this is three people working on you. In other words, it wasn't just God working on you. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all had a part in, you, in, in man's creation. In other words, if you, if you could say it like this, uh, after there was this forming going on, the Holy Spirit steps in. And he says, no, 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 no. He says, now, let me work on him a minute. And he says, I'm going to put my DNA in him. I'm going to put my likeness. I'm going to make him have love. I mean, I remember the, the nine fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He says, now, I'm going, to put, I'm going to make him a person of love. I'm going to make him a person of joy. That absent of circumstances, he's still going to have this strength, this attitude about him that anything's possible. I'm going to, I'm going to put my peace in him that regardless of circumstance, he'll be a creature of peace. Unlike all the other creatures. And he says, and I'm going to give him patience. I'm going to put my patience in him. That he doesn't just see the here and now. He actually, he's patient and he can see way out in front of him. And I'm going to put my kindness in him. Not going to be harsh or abrasive because I'm going to put gentleness in him. And he says, and I'm going to put faithfulness in him. That, that while other things are, are wishy-washy and they go to the left or to the right, he says, no, no, this is my work here. I'm part of the Trinity. You said, let us make man. So this is my part. I'm going to make him have faithfulness. And he says, and then lastly, I'll give him self-control. He can control himself. And he says, and then I'm going to give him a supernatural guidance system. Down on the inside, he need not that any man teach him because I'm the spirit of truth and I'm going to live in him and I'll guide him. And then Jesus steps up. He says, all right, all right, all right, it's my time, it's my time, it's my time. And then Jesus steps up and he says, I'm going to make him sacrificial, right? That he's willing to lay down his life for his friends. That, that he's willing to, uh, uh, he's a communal individual or a person that, that needs people around him, just like Jesus had his disciples. He, he put that inside of us. He said, and I want him to, to be a person that wants to please the Father. And that's Jesus' part. So Jesus is working on us. Because so, sometimes whenever we think that God formed us out of the clay, we think that he was working on our thighs, right? Our feet, right? Make me broad-shouldered. No, no, no. What's going on in Genesis is after he's spoken everything, he's, he's making something in his likeness. He says, let us make man in our image. How long did that take? Probably more than an afternoon. It doesn't tell us how long it takes. But, but Jesus, after he puts in there, then God steps up and he says, and now I'll make him powerful. 
God, God steps up. He says, now my part is, how many of y'all know God is omniscient? How many of y'all know what omniscient means? He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. That just means God is, he, uh, uh, he's, he's omnipotent just means he's all powerful. He says, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. He's all power. Omniscient just means that, 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 that he, he's everywhere at the same time. He's all-powerful, and he's all-knowing. He knows everything. So whenever God stepped up and began to work on man, he says, now I'm going to make him powerful. Because he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and then we're going to make him have what? Everybody say dominion. Put that scripture back up there. Let's read it one more time. This is so good. In Jesus' name. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them have what? He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle. Come here, steak. Come, rib. <laughs> ribs, racist ribs. Get over here, ribs. Over all the earth, over every creeping thing. All you people scared of bugs. How I many y'all know Adam wasn't scared of bugs? <laughs> that wasn't Adam. Adam didn't do that. He wasn't freaked out by anything. Why? Because God gave him dominion. This is God's original design for man. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let's fashion him to be a person that has dominion, a person that has peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, a person that has an intellect. How many of y'all know that the smartest person on our planet, you know, only uses about 10% of his brain? I mean, I know the average is, you know, it's like I think like 6 to 8%. That's what you and I operate on. That means we, we just remember about 6 or 8% of the stuff that happens to us. We are able to catalog that much. How many of y'all know Adam functioned at 100%? You talk about God was, God was all-knowing. He knows everything. And whenever he created Adam, he gave him a capacity to not just know 10%, he knew 100%. Does that mean that he was God? No, he was not God. He was not divine because he was created that way. But just think about it. Adam lived to be over 900 years old, so he lived 10 times longer than we live today, and he knew 10 times more. Think about the smartest person on this planet, and if you multiplied their intellect by 10, you still haven't even scratched the surface of the intellect of Adam. Physically, mentally, spiritually, he was hitting on all cylinders at all times. How many of y'all ready to get to heaven? Because whenever you get to heaven, he says he's going to make, he's going to reveal things to you that you know not of. For the first time, you're going to finally, he says that you, right now we see things like looking through a dirty mirror, dirty glass is what he says. But there's going to come a time when you step over into eternity that he's going to watch, he's going to clear the glass off and you're going to see God's original design for humanity. And you're going to see an individual that's created in the likeness and the image of God with the intellect of God and the power of God. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get there. Jesus, take the wheel now. Let's go now. But that's God's original. That's the way God created you and I. Now let's look at this. If you, if you look, because in Romans chapter 5, it says through one man's offense. And that just means Adam. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. Put that one up there, Christian. Just bear with me. I'm going somewhere because I'm just really laying the foundation 
for this whole series is really, really my goal today is just to just lay some groundwork for what God wants to do in our lives. God's not interested in, in you and I of being a vessel of dishonor or just being common or usual or just a container that feeds the dog. How many of y'all have that container? Right, I have one. His, I got a dog's name's Bubba, right? And Bubba has his own container. How many of y'all know I don't eat out of Bubba's container? No, sir, I don't. So, so all houses, all people have different containers and different capabilities, and they all hold things, and they're all valuable. But the whole purpose of the series is just figuring out, God, I, God, I want to be a vessel of honor. And God, I know that I, I can't be Adam, right? Because ever since Adam sinned, right? It tells you right here in, in Romans chapter 5, it says, if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned through one. Who is that, Adam? He says, much more. Everybody say much more. This is God's design now. He says, much more will those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We could preach here for the next five years and not unearth this scripture. He says, there was one man named Adam, which actually literally means God man. And it says, through him, because of the sin that he committed, death reigned. People don't live 900 years anymore. People don't use 100% of their mental capacity. Ever since that, how many of y'all, maybe I shouldn't say this, but it seems like people are getting dumber. I watched a video this morning, this morning before church. I showed it to Noble. It was actually pretty funny. This guy took his beard and he made a bowl out of it and he was eating noodles out of his beard, y'all. Me and Noble got a good kick out of it. That was funny. I was like, look at Noble. It was just like, what, what are people thinking? It's just, just really unusual, strange, downright, ignorant, dumb type of things that are, you just can see think, because of the Internet. I mean, I know you can find some all kinds of crazy stuff on the Internet. Well, we don't live 900 years or 1,000 years. We don't have the intellect that's uh, 100% because of why? Because he says, because one man, whenever he sinned, death reigned. But through another man, he says, through Jesus Christ, that if we'll receive the abundance of grace, everybody say grace. In other words, God wants to undo through Jesus what happened by Adam. And Adam, he messed it up, but God sent Jesus to fix or to remedy it. And he says, through the grace of Jesus and through the gift of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Righteousness just means that God wants to make us have right relationships with him. That through Jesus, now we can have a right relationship with God. And through his grace, he restores that relationship. Through one man, Adam, death reign. But through another man, we have this abundance abundance of grace and righteousness through Jesus. So if you've got your worship guide, there's a couple things I want you to write down about you because you're more than just a lump of clay. Come on, you're more than just a, a, bunch, of, a bunch of minerals, right? Your life, God, God wants your life to count and God's put some ingredients on the inside of you and sometimes you think those ingredients, that, that they're weaknesses, but God says that they're actual strengths. 
So the first little blank there is I just want you to put your handmade. God didn't say, man, be. No, no, no. He got down and he says, I'm going to make this one on my own. This one I'm going to fashion. I'm going to put my stamp. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship. That just means we're his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What's that mean? God, he hand designed you. He hand worked you and hand made you. And he says, you're the crown of creation. You're my masterpiece. And I'm going to work in you because he says, I've got some things that I need you to do. I want you to do. I want you to be a vessel of honor. The verse I gave you there, it just says, Psalms chapter 139, verse 14, it says, thank you. This is David writing. He says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. The second thing I want you to write in the blank there, number two is, you're unique. How many of y'all got kids? How many of y'all have unique kids? How many of y'all know that not all kids are created equal? Not all, not all kids are the same, right? I mean, I have two kids, and they're, they're awesome, but they're very different. They're, they're very different. Tanya, you got a couple kids. I'm sure your kids are different. If you got more than one, you just realize that they're different. Like, you know, I have a little boy. He's pretty passive. He's actually gotten to where he's got a pretty good sense of humor, and he's gotten pretty tough. I was worried there for a little while. It's worried, but he's, he's toughened up a, 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 a good bit. But he's, he's very, uh, he's in tune, I guess, emotionally. He's kind of sensitive. He can kind of pick up on pain and stuff like that. And then I have, a, I have a daughter, and she's rough as a cob. I mean, I know what I mean by rough as a cob, right? I mean, she's just, she's just like tough. She's like a mule, and, you know, just like a, like a, like a goat. Like a, my wife knows what I'm talking about. She just like has this resiliency and, and determ- yes, listen, women always got the uplifting words. You know, I like to say, she's like a goat, and she's like, she has determination. Yes, thank you, dear. She has determination to me. She's like a goat, right? I mean, she just like, right? I can look at Noble and be like, and he's just like, yes, sir. And he like sits down. Where she, she just like bucks, right? She, she's just like you, sister. You open the can of worms. I can tell you exactly who she's like. Noble's laid back and passive, he's got a pretty good sense of humor. He's just like, yeah. And, and Ansley, she hits like her mother. She kicks like her mother, right? If, if I hit Elizabeth, like, like hit her to where she like wants to hit me back, she hurts, right? Even if I barely hit her, I'm just like, oh, just tap. She's like, bam! And he's just like, oh my God, are you serious? I barely even touched you. What are you doing? Are you crazy? You left a mark. He's like, psychotic what's wrong with you and Ansley's the exact same way right I mean Ansley whenever we wrestle she she whenever she pinches she gets so man her face she just wants to dig through your skin into your heart and pull it out and hand it to you beating I mean she's just like that type of aggression she's just like i will hurt you you will pay for this because we wrestle at the house all the time you know 
and uh, she, she doesn't quit. So she's just, she just really unique and really different. And, and sometimes you would think, well, that's a strong-willed child or whatever. And I, tell, I told Elizabeth, I said, the Lord will use that. The Lord will use that, that, that just grind, right? She'll wear you down, right? She won't quit. It's like, I'm tired of wrestling. I'm tired of wrestling. No, you're not. And she's like, <laughs> grab you by the back of your hair. Just like, oh, she just like, I said, the, the, the Lord will use that. So sometimes we, we see ourselves as these different ingredients on the inside of us or what makes us unique. And we say, well, well the, the, what, what you see as a weakness, God sees as strength. He just wants to harness it and wants to mold it and wants to shape it and make it into something. He makes it a, make it a vessel of honor, but there's nothing wrong with unique. If, if I, I bought this clay at the store, right? For me, for me to get this clay, all I got to do is, is, is go buy it. And, and we got into pottery, you know, I guess five or six years ago, uh, because I remember as a kid watching people make things on a wheel, and I always thought that was just fascinating. I thought it was cool. Sorry. Uh, some of the guys are like, what's wrong with you? But I thought that that was, I thought that was cool. And there, there came a point to where whenever I was in Bible college, uh, one, whenever I, my, my mother came to me and she says, they're having this class, you know, you can go and you can learn how to do all this stuff. Are you interested in it? I said, man, I've always wanted to do that. Let's do that. So that started, you know, a few years where we were going to these classes, learning how to do all that stuff. But, but for me to get this clay, I go get it from the store and it's 100% pure. And, and I could go buy red clay. I can buy white clay. I could buy china clay. I could buy black clay. I can buy all these different types of clay that have all different types of ingredients. And they, they have all these different characteristics in it. And, and, and they're all useful for different reasons because they're all unique. Right, and God's made us all red, yellow, black, and white. We're all precious in His sight. And He's got some people that are that, that are optimists, and some people that are laid back, and some people that are charismatic. Some people are leaders. Some people are followers. Some people are supporters. But whatever it is, wherever you're at here today, it doesn't matter what what you think is a weakness. God says, "I'll use that. I'll make that. I'll fashion it, and you'll be a vessel of honor." The third thing is is that you're valuable. And people carry this shame and they carry this, I'm not valuable. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm doing in life. I, I, I've, I've, I've messed up. I'm on my ninth job and my third wife and I'm on this and I'm on that. And they devalue themselves. But God's estimation of you is the, the, the Garden of Eden estimation. Right? God's estimation of you is not your estimation of you. God's estimation of you is before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. I knew you. I formed you. I fashioned you. And I had a plan for you. You're my workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that I've before ordained. Hello. That you could walk in them. That's God's estimation of you. And, and even the angels. This is one of my favorite Psalms in the whole stinking Bible. I love it. Psalms 8. This is an angel's perspective. You always wonder, what do the angels think? David is writing, and he's writing from an angel's perspective in Psalms 8, verse number 3. Put it up there, Christian, if you got it. Psalms 8, verse number 3. This is the New Living Translation, if you got it, Christian. He says, when I look at the night sky, and I see the works of your fingers... I see the moon and the stars that you set in place. This is an angel talking to God. 
He says, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you care for them. Can you imagine these angels talking to God about this? He said, God, we saw you create everything. We saw you create the stars and the moon and the fish. We saw you create everything. What are these humans, these mortals? They don't even live forever. We live forever. What is it about these mere mortals that you care for them? Isn't that fascinating? God cares for you. Verse 5, he says, you made them only a little lower than who? God. These angels are actually saying, God, you made them a little lower than yourself. What is a man that you're mindful of him, that you visit him, you've made him a little lower than yourself, and you've crowned him, the crown of creation. You've crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made. You put all things under their authority. The flocks, the herds, the wild animals. And he goes on and he just begins the list just like he did in creation. All of the things. Even the angels marvel at you. The, the angels look at, at, look, look, look at Tawny and Jody and look at Brent here. Really marvels at Brent. Uh, they, they, they look at us. And we look at ourselves as we're invaluable, you know, we're unique, but we're flawed, but we're all these things. But when they look at it, they say, why do you visit them? Why are you so concerned about these mere mortals? You've made them a little bit lower than yourselves. You're valuable. Everybody say I'm valuable. Come on, you're more than just a young lump of clay. You're unique. God's, God's formed you and fashioned you. And just like you got weird brothers and weird sisters, we're all flawed, but we're all unique. And what's made us this way is because God handmade us. He put part of the, the Father in you, part of the Son in you, part of the Holy Spirit. He put all of that in you. So here's the takeaway. I got two takeaways I'm going to give you, and then, and then I'm going to close. Because this is just a foundation. We're just, lay, we're just laying some groundwork that God wants to do some stuff in your life. The, the first thing I want to tell you to do is just give me a month. Give me a month. As we go through this series, just give me four weeks. Just give me a month. And, and the, the first thing I want to tell you is a, a month for the process. So if you've got your worship guide, just write process. And the verse that I gave you for that. Is actually, it's the last, I'm sorry, I, I, I did them backwards. Y'all just have to, don't, don't get mad at me. The second blank under your part is the process. The first blank is, is be flexible. Or in other words, th this clay right here, it, it's movable. It, it's movable. So I'm just asking you over the course of the next four weeks, just be movable. Allow yourself to be flexible. Allow yourself to let God poke on you, prod on you, squish you. I mean, I felt like the Lord's squishing you. Allow him to carve on you. Be movable. And the verse there is Romans chapter 2, verse 5. It says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment 
will be revealed. So I'm just asking you not, not to be stubborn or hard-hearted. In fact, there's a bunch of verses I could have given you where the Bible would get onto them because they were stiff-necked. How many of y'all know what stiff-necked means? Stiff-necked, just strong will. You just said, oh, I don't want to move. Well, God says whenever you're like that because of your stubbornness, he says you're hurting yourself. He says you're reaping wrath upon yourself. So, so my encouragement to you is over the next four weeks, just allow God to push on you, mush on you. Some of it you're going to like and some of it you aren't going to like. Some of these messages are going to be like, yeah, he really wants a lot. Or he's gonna, yeah, but, yeah, but you get a lot. Whenever you give God a lot, you get a lot. If you look at people in the scriptures that gave God a lot, man, he, he just, he makes their life like, a, like an aroma. Like it's just sweet. You could just tell. And he makes them powerful. And he, he gives them peace that passes understanding. And he gives them resolve. And he gives them fruit that will abound forever. That just means that, that, he, that whenever they make it to heaven, there's, some, there's more to their life than just stuff that they gathered. So, so I'm just asking you to be, be, let the Lord push on you and move on you the, the next four weeks. And then the last one is, is just uh, submit to the process. You can write process. Or that just means be in it for, for, for the long uh, duration. In other words, sometimes when I, and I, I ended last Sunday service, if you were here last Sunday, that, that God, does, God wants commitment. He doesn't want perfection. In other words, whenever God wants you to commit your life to him, he's not expecting you to be perfect. There's no way none of us are ever going to be perfect. But he's just wanting you to commit to him. And, and, and I'm asking you is, is just give yourself to the process uh, of, of this, this whole allowing him to move you and mark you. And I told you last week, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if it takes me 10 years to get all of myself in your hands, that's how long I'll take. I'll take 10 years. But it didn't take 10 years. But I'm asking you just to block out some time, set, set a, 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 an amount of time. How long is, how many of y'all went to uh, elementary school? Everybody raise your hand, no matter what. No matter what, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. We're not from Arkansas, y'all. Listen, we're, we're from Louisiana, y'all. Just raise your hand. Just raise. All of you went to elementary education. How long is elementary education? Five or six years, right? I, mine was, I went to Horseshoe Drive Elementary till fifth grade. Hey, don't be busting all up on my Horseshoe Drive. Horseshoe, <laughs> Horseshoe Drive Elementary. And then I went to sixth grade at Lincoln Road, sixth grade center. Back then, we just had you went to school just for sixth grade. Anybody else do that? No. And then, you, and then we went to junior high. Junior high is, is two years, right, if you passed, right? If all goes well, <laughs> you've got seventh and, and eighth grade. And then if you went to high school, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because some of you may be like, well, I didn't quite finish high school. That's all right. I don't know. I know people that make a lot of money and didn't finish high school. But if you go to high school, how, how, how many years is high school supposed to be? Supposed to be four, right? Again, unless something, something went wrong. So that's 12 years that we give science, arithmetic, history. We'll dedicate, we'll block out, and it's not even negotiable. I mean, I know it's not negotiable. My kids wish it was negotiable, right? 
My kids would like it to be negotiable. School is not negotiable. In fact, if I don't make my kids go to school, you know who comes to get me? Woo, 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 woo. Right? I, I get in trouble if, if, my, if, I don't, if I don't make my kids go to school. So we'll, we'll give elementary education six years. We'll give junior high a couple years. We'll give high school four years. And many times, we'll, we won't give God four months. We won't give God three months. We won't say, God, I'll give you 90 days. We like to dig in, right? We say, yeah. Listen, all I'm asking for is for a month. Just give us a month to kind of go through this and allow God to press on you and mush on you and allow God to, to mold you in some things. The last passage of Scripture I want to give you is in Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1 is, is the Apostle Paul, and he's given his testimony. The Apostle Paul, he's given his testimony uh, about uh, his life before Jesus. And he said, man, before, before, before Jesus became the Lord of my life, he tells him, he says, I was the worst sinner. I, I was persecuting the church. I was killing Christians. I was, uh, uh, I, was, I, was, I was the worst out of all of them. And sometimes we feel like that, that we're the worst out of all of them. And yet he says he has this road to Damascus experience. And most of us, uh, we, we've read this passage of Scripture before where Paul is riding on his horse and he's on his way to go persecute Christians. He's ripping Christians out of their home and stoning them and putting them in prison, having them crucified. But as he's on this horse, the Bible says a light shone down from heaven and knocks Paul off of his horse and blinds him immediately. And Paul says these words, he says, Who art thou, Lord? In other words, Paul said, I don't know what's going on here, but I recognize you're more powerful than me. And just by instinct, he says, who are you, Lord? And then the next thing he asked him, he says, what do you want me to do? So in that moment, he's blind. He says, who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? And the Lord gives him instruction, and he gets up. He goes to Ananias' house, and for three days, he's completely blind. I mean, I remember this story. And for three days, he's just having this internal battle. I thought that this was going this way. I thought that I was serving God. I thought that I was pleasing to him. But he was all way off track. And God now wants to get him back on track. And the last verse I'll give you, it's in your worship, God. It says, but when God who set me apart, this is Paul speaking here. He says, God set me apart from my mother's womb. And he called me by his grace. He was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him to the Gentiles. In other words, God's got something that he wants me to do. But he says, my immediate result, response was not to consult with any human being. And then the next verse, it actually says, so I went for three years into the wilderness of Arabia. You say, well, why is that significant? What's significant about it is, is Paul, he has an experience with Jesus that changes his life. But for the next three years, he, he takes time. He goes through a process of allowing Jesus to change him. And his process lasted three years. He says, after I fell off that horse and I was blinded, my world got shook. But he said, for the next three years, I went, and I, there was a period or a time where I met or God, Jesus, 
took me through a process of learning and revealing himself to me. Listen, the whole point of this message is not for you to get out of here and after a month for you to like go to Africa or do whatever. No, Paul didn't do that. Paul just said, I, I recognize that there needs to be a season of my life where I allow a God to mold me and change me and shape me. And that's the only thing I'm asking you to do is just over the next month, let, let's just go through this process. I'm going to put a wheel up here. We're going to form and shape and do some stuff like that. And, and, but really, that's God wanting to do that in all of us.